Praise the Lord. It's great to be with you again. And yes, my name has that many vowels in it, my last name. <laughs> Not sure why, but it's easy to pronounce. Just Lear. Think of a jet, a Lear jet, all right? And that's how you pronounce it. And uh, it's great to be with you all. I'm glad you guys uh, have things in order. Start with food and things, great things will happen. Amen. We see a, a sister with us today from food. And you guys starting out your renewal week with food. It's good, you know, it's in the Bible, right? <laughs> so uh, I enjoy food probably a little too much, uh, more than I should, but <laughs> um, it's great to be with you. And I'm excited for this next week uh, with your guys' renewal conference coming up and Micah Self, and uh, we know him as well. And uh, uh, he's going to be great with you guys. And uh, I thought Brother Christian could have just uh, kept preaching and could have given my notes because we're going to turn to second chronicles chapter seven uh just kind of use this verse as a launching pad i don't want to dig into it too much because i know you'll probably hear about it next week as well and uh but we're going to use it to kind of launch off uh today with our message and uh get into uh some many other verses i'll quote some we'll turn to some and just uh dig into the bible a little bit about the working of God. And so, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Uh, there are many, God, God has a desire to work in your life. God longs to work in your life. God longs to work in the life of the people of your town, of the people of your state, of our country. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God has a desire to do a work in your life. Uh, God wants us to grow. God wants us to uh, be holy for I am holy. Uh, so God has a longing to work in our lives, but there are some hindrances that keeps God from working in our lives. Um, I think of it uh, with my children. Uh, the, throughout the Bible, uh, God gives many analogies of us as the child of God, and he is our heavenly father, and the relationship between a father and a son. And I think of my children, many times I discipline my children, and I long to do things for my children. I love to spoil my children and uh, surprise them with things. But you know what? There are some times that I don't want to or I can't because of some things in their life that they have to correct or some the way that they're going or decisions that they've made that I have to discipline them, and I might have wanted to take them out to go to a park and play or to uh, maybe spend a little money and go to a restaurant and treat them to a treat, maybe at Dairy Queen and get them an ice cream. And ice cream is one of my downfalls in life, and <laughs> I love ice cream. And anyway, any toppings, it's good. It's all good. And uh, so I might want to treat them out, but if the, earlier that day they decided to uh, that they wanted to throw fit and disrespect their mother and disobey and do their own thing, well, now that, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, that desire might go from me uh, personally, or it just might be like, you know what, I can't. I want to do that for you, but you've messed up. You've made a mistake, and I can't do that for you. And you know what? In the Bible, we see hindrances to the work of God, some things that get in the way of the working of God in your life personally, 
in your church uh, as a group and in our country as a whole. And God wants to heal our land. God wants to heal your life. But sometimes, and actually all the time, we're the problem of God's working in our life. And we're going to look at some of the hindrances that go on in our life. Uh, there's many, uh, uh, I, I'm a math guy, I like math, I like uh, calculating things out. And in algebra you have variables and constants. A lot of the numbers are the constants and the, the, usually the letter represents a variable and you're trying to figure out what that variable is. And there's many things in the Christian walk and uh, that uh, deal with the solution or the problem in our life. Uh, one of the uh, ingredients to God working is God, obviously, first of all. But you know what? God, there's never a problem when it comes to God. God's perfect. God is holy. The Bible says, as it is written, be holy for I am holy. Uh, Titus 1, 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. The problem is not with God. God's perfect, God's righteous, God's holy. We talked a little bit about it in Sunday school, trying to understand God came in the flesh, and yes, he endured a lot of the temptations we do, and he had the, uh, the weakness of the flesh, but because he is God, he is holy, he is righteous, and he cannot lie, he cannot sin, because if he could, that, he wouldn't be God. And it's something's hard for us to understand, but God, we know he's righteous, he's holy. He would not be the problem the problem is not with God. What's another part? Well, what one would be God's word, right? We have the word of God. We know the word of God. There's no problem with the word of God. We even looked at that a little bit uh, in our Sunday school uh, lesson when we looked at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Being born again of corruptible seed, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man out of the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Psalms chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So the problem isn't in the word of God. This word is perfect. It's holy, it's righteous, and it's here to guide and direct us. <clears throat> well, we, what's another part of uh, the solu uh, solution? Well, you have the unsaved in this world. You have the wickedness of man. And a lot of times we get frustrated, and rightfully so, I get frustrated at what goes on in our country and, uh, you know, me living in Portland and a lot of the stuff that's promoted with what's going on in Portland, and it gets frustrating sometimes. But sometimes I have to sit back and say, why, do I, why am I surprised? Because they're just sinners, right? They're, they're doing what they naturally do. I grew up in church, and I praise the Lord for that. And I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for my parents, if it wasn't for me being brought up knowing what the Word of God says. But you know what? There's many people in this world that have not even read one word from the Bible don't even understand who God is. I remember at the age of, as, as a teenager, this was quite a long time ago, not too long ago, <laughs> maybe close to 20 years ago, uh, I was working at VBS and had the privilege to uh, witness to some uh, brother and a sister, little kids, and I s tried to share with them Jesus Christ. Have you heard about Jesus? No. Do you know who Jesus is? And I tried to talk about sin, and I went back to um, Adam and Eve, 
have you heard about Adam and Eve before? No, I don't know who those people are. Jonah, you know, uh, the ark, you know, uh, have you heard about Noah and the flood? No, they had no idea. And I I sat back as a teenager, you know, I don't know a lot about witnessing to people, but I understand the Romans wrote and, but I'm like, how do you work with somebody that has no, they, they know nothing about the Bible. And this was almost 20 years ago. Here, come back 20 years later now, how much more? Those kids that I witnessed to almost 20 years ago, they have kids, almost probably teenagers now. I'm not sure where they're at. But what do you think their kids, if they never got saved, if they didn't trust Jesus Christ, what do you expect from their kids? So we have the unsaved of this world, and we, you know, they're living the life that they normally live. They're living the natural. And so sometimes we put the problem onto the unsaved of our world. Oh, our world's wicked, it's corrupt, that's why God's not able to work. That's not why, uh, you know, we have revival in our country. That's why we have problems in this uh, country is because the unsaved, and that's partly true, but there's one more variable to this, and that is the saved, us believers. And that brings me back to our text verse. It starts out with a group of people. And who is that group of people that verse starts out with? It says, if my people, if my people. God's not saying if the people of this world, if the unsaved. But he says, if my people, which are called by my name. Revival starts in the house of God. Renewal starts in the house of God. And to bring it down even further, renewal starts in the individual believer of God's people. And uh, that's where I want us to see is three characteristics of, uh, that will hinder the work of God in our life. And it's us. It's me. I have to sometimes sit back. And yes, we see the corruption of our world and of our country and of our town and cities and a lot of our big metro areas, and we see the wickedness. But it, we can say, yeah, the unsaved. It is the unsaved. It's because the multitude of the unsaved, but that all boils back down to the Christians, the saved. What have we done about it? What have we been doing over the last couple centuries? Uh, we need to get to work and uh, being who God wants us to be if we want to see God do a great work. So if my... People. The first characteristic is the characteristic of unbelief. Unbelief is going to be a hindrance to the working of God in your life. It seems pretty uh, basic. It seems pretty elementary. Unbelief. Yes, if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe that God can do great things, God's not going to be able to work. But it is, it is so true that you need to understand and uh, understand that you need to have belief in God. Um, let's turn over to Matthew chapter 13. Actually, Mark, well, I'll flip over to Matthew. Turn to Mark chapter 6, and we'll look at this passage. Mark chapter 6. Matthew chapter 13 is a uh, cross reference, same uh, story, just a different book of the Gospels. All right, so. Mark chapter 6, in verse 1, it says, it's talking about Jesus, and he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. 
And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his name? They see Jesus. They see him do great works. They see what he's doing. And he says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judah, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. And Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and, and in his own house. And he could there do not my works, save that he healed uh, he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. Because of their unbelief, God was not able to do mighty works. Uh, that's what it says in uh, Matthew uh, 13, uh, 58. It says, And he did not uh, many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief, he wasn't able to do a mighty work in their life. <clears throat> in uh, chapter 6 of Mark, if you're still there, you look at the end of the chapter, you see kind of the opposite going on here. It says in verse 53, And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. So they come to this different land, and it says, And when they were come out of the ship straightway, they knew him, and ran through the whole region round about, and began to carry about in beds those that were sick, uh, where they heard he was, and whithersoever he entered into the villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. Great works were done there. God did an amazing work because they believed that he would. How many times are we guilty of uh, God wanting God to do something, but we come to that situation and inside us, we say, it's probably not going to happen. I'm not sure that's going to really happen. We come to God with some big prayers, and we should. But inside us, when God does answer that prayer, why do we act surprised? Why do we say, wow, God did that. Shouldn't it be the other way? When we come to God with some big prayer on our heart, or we come to a renewal week, and we ask God, Lord, renew me, make me fresh, uh, do a great work in my life, and... When uh, we get through the week and God doesn't do anything, and it's kind of just like, okay. We should be expecting, we should be believing that God is going to do a great work. Why is it that we aren't? Why, Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. You must believe. Uh, Matthew 21, 22, In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. The, the ingredient there is, is believing. There has to be a belief. James 1, 5 through 6, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. So it talks about in that passage that God is, wants to give us wisdom and is longing to give us wisdom, but we need to ask of God. But it says in the very next verse, but let him ask in faith. We have to have that faith. We have to have that belief that God is going to do a great work. We have to have faith and belief in God. So don't enter this next week just thinking, okay, here comes another revival or a renewal week and 
Well, we'll see what happens. Don't just, don't do that. Say, I want to have faith that God is going to do a great work in my life. I want to be ready for it. Um, I'm going to Portland. Um, what if I came to churches and just said, you know what, yeah, I'm going to go to Portland and we're going to try and start hopefully a couple churches. We'll see what happens, you know, hopefully it Hopefully we get a church started, uh, you know, we'll just be there for 20 years, and maybe we'll get one going. I don't know. We'll see. No. I'm going to have faith, and as I said in the video, and there's been times I said, is 20 really that faith? <laughs> Am I having a big faith to see 20 churches started in Portland? Maybe I should pray for more, you know, and really have a bigger goal. And I just want to believe that God is going to do a great work and look forward to it and have faith in God. And that's what we need to have in our life is believe that God will do a great work. Come to this, as you go throughout this week and enter into next week, pray believing. Have faith. Believe that God is going to do a great work. The next hindrance to God doing a great work is not just our unbelief, but our disobedience. Our disobedience. It can really just boil down to those two, but uh, we'll talk about a third one. So our unbelief and our disobedience. Many of us know what is right and what is wrong. We, we have this battle, as we talked about in Sunday school. If you didn't come to Sunday school, uh, make sure you're here. We talk about a spiritual warfare. And we, what we, one of the biggest uh, enemies we have and that we fight against is the flesh. And uh, in this spiritual warfare, and a lot of times we know what is right and what is wrong. It just boils down to just complete disobedience. We just aren't obeying God and what he wants us to do. <clears throat> Joshua, let's turn to Joshua chapter 20, uh, Joshua chapter 7, sorry, verse, verse 20, Joshua chapter 7. God is doing a great work in Israel, and they're just conquering, and uh, I mean, just going, going to it uh, in the promised land, and God is giving them uh, the land, and uh, we come to chapter 7 and verse 20. And here we have a defeat. Uh, we actually have, a, if you look at verse uh, 5 of chapter 7, it talks about, it says, And the men of Ai smote of them about 30 and 6 men, and they chased them from before the gate. They're wondering, what's going on here? We were so victorious, life was great, and now we're defeated. 36 men died. And uh, verse uh, 6, And Joshua rent his clothes and uh, fell fell on to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. He and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. And you see the, uh, just, Lord, what, what happened? Why, why, did we, why did we get defeated? God was doing a great work, and God basically tells them that there's sin in the camp. And uh, that sin needs to be purged. And you get to verse 20 of chapter 7. It says, And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And thus, and thus have I done. You see, there was sin in the camp. There was just deliberate disobedience. And a lot of times, the hindrance of God working in our life, or in, in this case, we see in the whole uh, uh, of all of Israel, the hindrance and the death of 36 men was caused by this one man's sin. Your individual sin can hinder God from working in your church. We got to be careful of our sin. We got to take care of the sin. 
and uh, praise the Lord that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, amen. We don't have to take care of it like they did in the Old Testament. And if you know the story of uh, Achan and what happened to him and his family, uh, it wasn't fun. It wasn't good. But God was showing the seriousness of sin. And praise the Lord, Jesus Christ died on the cross, and he paid the price for our sin. And we can come to Jesus Christ and confess our sin, and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So praise the Lord, we can come to him for our sin, but are we? Are we living in disobedience? Are we living in sin? You know in your life where you fall short. The problems you might be facing, the struggles you have. We all struggle differently. Uh, and we have to understand that, you know what, God, God wants us to walk in obedience to him. A lot of times God can't do work, a great work because of our disobedience. 1 John 3, 22, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. As you please the Lord, just like I talked about with my kids, as my kids please me and obey me and are doing what I want them to do, life is great. I would love to spoil them and do great things for them and have fun and uh, just have a great time with them. But when they disobey and they don't d decide to do what they want to do and think, I know what's best for my life, uh, there has to be discipline, has to be correction in their life and uh, to bring them back into where they need to be in their life. And same thing in our life. If we live in disobedience, God can't, can't bless. God can't help us. Uh, let's turn to Luke 6 and look at this passage here. Luke chapter 6. I'll try and wrap this up here. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. It says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my saying and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and stream uh, beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. This is one who it says, uh, whosoever cometh, or verse 46, and why calleth me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I Say, whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show to you whom he Who is he like? He's like the man that built his house upon a rock. We know the, the fun song that we sing with the kids. The wise man built his house upon a rock. And that wise man is the one who does what God says. Who does what God wants him uh, to do. So um, just a couple more passages and we'll get to our third uh, element here. Matthew 7, 24 through 25. Therefore... Uh, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man. That's the parallel passage there. John chapter 9, verse 31. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Uh, we know the uh, passage. Uh, if we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. Uh, search out, that's why you see David in the book of Psalms, what he say? search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Because sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we do know, a lot of times we do know, but sometimes, I've, there have been times I prayed and I just sat there quietly and said, Lord, what am I doing that displeases you? Is there something in my life that it disgusts you, that I need to get rid of? And there's been many times I just stopped and just thought. And God will bring things to my mind. And I said, 
That's the, I've got to stop that. Or it might be something I'm not doing. But obedience to God. Disobedience will hinder the work of God. We need to be in obedience to God. And lastly, and we'll finish up here, is plain and simple. It's very simple, and that's just not praying. Not praying. Sometimes we just don't get alone with God and pray and call out to him. Um, as, as Daniel did faithfully to God, uh, even when there was a law put in place that said, you'll be thrown in a den of lions, he stayed faithful and said, I'm going to do as I normally do, and I'm going to pray to God. We have freedoms in America. A lot of people say a lot of the problems we have in America is because they've taken prayer out of school. And that is bad what they've done of taking prayer out of school and taking prayer out of public areas. The reason our nation was great and founded upon great things is because prayer was centralized and many of the uh, great leaders we had in our country and forefathers came to God in prayer before they made decisions for our country. And we don't see that happening anymore. But, and we can get frustrated in our country and look back to those times. We need prayer back in the school. I ask you, are you praying in your home? You have the freedom to pray whenever you want. Are you praying uh, personally in your life? I'm not talking about for your food. I'm not talking about uh, when problems come up in your life and you say, oh, Lord, help. Uh, I got a flat tire. Um, or I ran out of gas, or uh, boss, I might be losing my job, or I didn't, uh, like, my wage got cut, and we come to God when we're in problems. I'm talking about faithfully praying to God every day. Even when things are good, you come to God because you love him, because you want to God to do a great work. We understand that we still live in our sinful flesh, and we still have the battles we fight. We still struggle with unbelief. We still struggle with disobedience. We're humble. That's why in our passage of Second Chronicles, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Humbling yourself, you understand that you're never going to have arrived until we get to heaven. We've never arrived. We always have some areas of growth in our life. Humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. <clears throat> James 5, this will be the last, last passage we turn to, James chapter 5, and verse 16. James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. Amen? Pray one for another. That's one of the great things about being in the house of God. I know many people have come across, knock on their door, and they say, oh, I, go, I do church at home. I do church on my own. And it's like, so who prays for you? Who, who do you <laughs> how do you have that fellowship? The church is a great place, uh, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. Pray for one another. I love this passage here. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. Pray. 
We just need to be faithful in praying. As we have this belief in God, as we're obeying his word, then we can come to God in prayer and God can do a great work. Uh, it's, it's all got to work together. It's about balancing your life in these areas. And so how do we help our belief? How do we help our obedience? How do we help our prayer life? And boiling it all down, you say, okay, uh, Brother Lear, so how, how do I help these areas where I struggle? My unbelief. How do I help my unbelief? How do I help where I struggle with obeying God? I have these strongholds in my life. How do I help in trying to be faithful to prayer? How do I help all these areas? And it's the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So how do we help our faith, our belief in God? Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The thing that's going to change this world is God, is uh, belief in God, but that comes from the word of God. The word of God is what's going to change your life to be more like him, to help out in these areas of unbelief, to help out in these areas of disobedience, being in the word of God. If you need to help your unbelief, get in the word of God. We need to be faithful to the word of God. Are you ready for the Lord to do a great work in your life? Are you prepared? Are you ready for God to do a great work next week? Are you wanting God to turn this country back to him? It starts with us who are saved. Don't look to the world. That's not going to change things. It's God's people who are going to stand up and say, you know what? We need to be faithful to God. We need to obey. We need to have belief. And we need to pray that God will do a great work. This will only happen as we believe, obey, and pray for God to do a great work. I pray that you will do that for this upcoming week. And you will look forward to God and have faith in God that he will do something great in your life personally. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for... And this church family here in uh, Granville, New York, and being able to be up here at Calvary Baptist Church, Lord, I pray that you would work in the lives of uh, these people. Work in my life, Lord. I need renewal. I haven't arrived. I need your strength, Lord. I pray that you would work in my life. I know I won't be here next week, but I pray that you would help me to see these areas of my life and focus on these for me, Lord. But I pray for these people here, Lord, that you would do a great work, something they've never seen in their life, Lord. Because they say, you know what, I'm going to have faith. I'm going to believe that God will do great work. I'm going to obey. I'm going to let you search me, Lord, and uh, turn the wickedness of my life into righteousness, Lord. And then I'll pray and see you do a great work in of my life, Lord. I thank you for your word. I pray that you would bless this church. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor. Amen. Great time together in the word of God. Let's, let's stand together. And we're going to take a moment to pray and seek God. Thank you so much for your patience today and your just being here. I tell you, people have time for whatever's important, right? And you had time for church today. It's a great day to be in God's house. What a great message. And what I like doing is not telling men what to preach on, all right? Isn't it kind of neat, though? They both shared on the same thing. I didn't know what they were going to preach on, either one of them, but God did. I think God has a way of doing that. You don't have to uh, manipulate the Holy Spirit. And... May I say this to you? As he shared, unbelief or disobedience. Look, whatever's important to us, we're going to do it. Whatever's important. If we like coffee, we drink it. If you like soda, you'll drink it. If you like water, right? I mean, whatever you like. You like to have steak, you'll go get one. If you want pizza, you'll go order it. If you want beer, you're going to drink it. You do whatever you like, but let me ask you this. 
do you like God's word enough to read it? Do you love God enough to pray? I think we all can come clean with God a little bit and say, Lord, help me to love your word more, pray more as I should. As the piano begins to play, would you come do business with God? Would you come kneel here at the front? Lord, help me to pray as I should. Lord, help me to read your word as I should. Look, we all struggle with it. Come on, let's be honest. We all struggle with it in different areas. Lord, help me to pray as I should. Lord, help me to read your word as I should. Lord, help me to obey you. Lord, forgive me for my unbelief. Some little area of unbelief in your heart. Would you kneel in your seat? Would you lift your hands to the God that hears and sees? Would you seek the Lord where you're at and ask him to meet with you this morning? preparing for baptism to slip out at this time. Go downstairs and find, get ready.